Mother's Day brings up all sorts of emotions, doesn't it? And I recognize some of you aren't looking forward to a syrupy Mother's Day sermon because your mom is no longer here. Or maybe you have a rough relationship with your mom and you struggle with all those saccharine sentiments in Hallmark cards. Some of you have a mom who's ill and you wonder how much longer she's going to be with you. Perhaps you're a single dad and you hurt for your kids as you watch your kids struggle. This week, I read a helpful article. Here's the title, Don't Make Moms Stand in Church This Sunday. Don't worry, we won't do that. Here's why. Because there are women who struggle with infertility. There are singles who desire to be married and to have children. There are parents who've experienced miscarriage and stillbirth or the death of a child. There are stepmoms helping to raise children who don't value them. There are couples facing hurdles in the process of adoption. There are foster parents who've chosen to refrain from being called mom and dad for the emotional health of a child in their care. There are parents who've placed a child for adoption or are waiting for an adoption to go through. There are mothers who've had an abortion. And there are fathers who've encouraged them to do so. And there are women with wayward, distant, or estranged, grown children. There are probably some mothers here or engaging online who wish they didn't have kids. And I know of women who would give anything just to have a child. There are other moms who are just feeling so blessed and honored today, and they're doing a great job mothering and nurturing their children by the grace of God. Many moms that I know are gripped by guilt. They're swimming in shame because, well, here's why, they think they're not doing a good job. A number of you moms are flying solo as you seek and work hard to nurture your child's faith without the support of your child's dad. And some of you are grandmothers, and you're standing in the gap as you strive to raise your grandchildren to become young disciples of Christ. Now, let me be quick to say on Mother's Day, if you aren't married or you don't have children, you are not inferior. Womanhood is not only about marriage and children. Your worth as a woman goes far beyond your marital status or whether or not you have kids. Now, as we begin, I'm going to give a shout out to those of you who are raising young children. I mean, you saw it up here earlier. <laughs> Some of you are battling bedtimes. You're wondering when all the whining is going to stop. You're juggling schedules. 
You're running on emotional empty. Many of you saw Proverbs 31.15 fulfilled last night. She rises while it is yet night. (laughs) Hey, young moms, would you take a deep breath and listen to these comforting words from the book of Isaiah? Oh, allow these words to just speak over you and right into your tired soul. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Oh, may you know the sweet gentleness of the shepherd as he leads you to love the little lambs entrusted to you. Today we're going to look at how a mother and a grandmother intentionally impacted a son and a grandson who grew up to become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. They did this by spending time with him, by modeling sincere spirituality, and by soaking him in the scriptures. These two women are only mentioned by name once in the Bible, but their impact, well, their impact was generational. Throughout the sermon, I'm going to share some quotes from a book by Gloria Furman. The name of the book is called Missional Motherhood. I highly recommend it. Uh, It's called Missional Motherhood, the Everyday Ministry of Motherhood in the Grand Plan of God. Uh, Here's a sentence from her introduction. The aim is to give you laser focus on what God's word says about his mission, how motherhood fits into that, and what Christ has done to fuel and fulfill our everyday mission as moms. Recently, Liesl Parks passed along her notes after listening to the audio of that book, and I'm so grateful for that. I encourage you to pick up a copy. If you're wondering how to get it, head to Sermon Extras on our website, edgewoodbaptist.net, or our mobile app, and there's a a link there. It'll take you right to a place where you can purchase that book. Here's a summary. Jesus invites women to missional motherhood, to follow his pattern to trust his promises, and to nurture others by the power he provides. God accomplishes his plan through the offspring of the woman. Now, before going further, I don't want to assume that we know the term missional or what it means. We use it often. So here's a helpful definition. In essence, missional or missional living is a term that describes a missionary lifestyle. Being missional includes embracing the posture, the thinking, behaviors, listen to this, the practices of a missionary in order to reach others with the message of the gospel. I found it helpful that Furman refers to mother as a verb. Mothering or nurturing is a calling not just for women who have biological or adopted children. Mothering is a calling for all women. 
Every Christian woman is called to the spiritual motherhood of making disciples of all nations. Our nurturing is by nature missional. Open your Bibles up to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 5, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a young pastor whose name is Timothy. Timothy had been installed in the church at Ephesus as pastor. They were facing all sorts of challenges in a pagan culture with a lot of things going on. Paul writes this in verse 5 to Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, here's her name, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So here's Paul giving a public shout-out to these missional moms in a time when women were rarely mentioned by name. This mother-daughter discipleship team took their role seriously. We could say it like this. A mom can live missionally with or without the help of a dad. Man, didn't Pastor Chris do a great job preaching last weekend? Oh, that was so, so good. And, you know, Pastor Chris is having quite the influence here at Edgewood. And, and how does this look? Not good? doesn't really work, does it? And so he even influenced Sheila yesterday at our ladies' event, our ladies' spring luncheon, where they focused on the decade of the 70s. You know, what's interesting about that is God's always at work in the generations, isn't he? So those who came to Christ in the 70s, like I did, 1979, some people in the older generations were looking down and even suspect of that generation, and we see that in our culture today as well. But I love how God is at work and how he's using A.J. Langworthy, our youth assistant, and our 20 youth leaders to teach and reach our younger generation for Jesus. Well, as Paul wrote these words from his prison cell. So Paul was in prison at least twice. The first time he got out, he was under house arrest. He had some freedom. But the second time, he's about to have his head severed from his body. Paul's about to be martyred. And he knows the end is coming. And you see that in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy And so he's looking back on his life. As he looks back, he remembers Timothy. He writes two letters to him, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. In the second letter, it's so personal. And as he reflects on Timothy, his mind is immediately filled with the faith of his mom and the faith of his grandmother. So while reminiscing about these women of God, he recalled Eunice being raised in a godly home where she was greatly impacted by her mother, Lois. They lived in Lystra. That doesn't mean much to us here, but it was a very pagan place filled with idols. Eunice loved hearing stories from the Bible. She attended Awana. Okay, maybe not. Awana's been around a long time, 44 years here. 
And she enjoyed gathering in services where she could learn about God. Well, as she approached her teenage years, she became attracted to a dude, I guess dude's not in there, but who did not believe in God. So listen, this is cautionary tale. Here's a woman who was raised in the faith, raised to know God. She sees a guy who's attractive, who shows her interest. She starts spending time with this guy. And against the best wishes of her godly mother, the teaching of her faith and the tug of her own conscience, she marries this unbelieving man. Now, let me say and speak to you, and there'll be more students in our 1045 service, but listen, if you're not married, don't make the mistake of marrying someone who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. Now let me take us to the Bible, 2 Timothy or 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Check out these contrasts. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That's another name for demons. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now, let me also be quick to say, some of you are living in a spiritually mixed marriage. And I can't imagine how difficult that must be. For some of you, even to come and gather with God's people is a battle. Because you don't have the support, and maybe worse than that, uh, you're made fun of or, or not supported at all as you strive to know God better and grow in your faith. So let me just say to you, Way to go for pressing on. Keep praying. Keep growing. Keep gathering with God's people. Keep praying for your spouse to come to know Jesus. And if you have children, pour into them. So let's go back. Uh, after a couple years of marriage, Eunice and her husband had a baby boy they named Tiny Tim. Okay, I, all you people are old that you even know that reference. Other people are like, who's Tiny Tim? Well, in the meantime, Eunice's dad dies or he goes off the scene. And so they ask grandma, Mother Lois, to come and live with them. So now you have grandma, mom, and Tim. And they spend time with him. Both mom and grandma spend hours with him, praying with him, reading scriptures, training him in the things of God. They created a spiritual environment in the home where his own faith could flourish. Acts 16.1 tells us Eunice was raised in the Jewish faith and had recently become a born-again Christian. So, as a new believer... And with the help of grandma, they focused on teaching Timothy all about Jesus. Listen, a mom can live missionally with or without the help of a dad. And Eunice didn't have the ideal Jesus-loving husband, and yet Timothy still saw her faith, and he wanted to make mom's faith his own. 
All right, so we've looked at our passage. Well, now let's look more carefully at it so we don't miss the meaning and significance of it. Let's go back. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. The word sincere, well, it means without hypocrisy. It means genuine. It means the real deal. The King James translates it as an unfeigned faith. Their faith, grandma and mom, was not a false facade. No, it was the real deal. The word dwelt means to inhabit, to be infixed, to take up residence, to be at home with. One Greek expert translates it like this, to house in you continuously. So here's the idea. It's that faith took up permanent residence in grandma, in mom, and now in Timothy. Faith didn't make a guest appearance a couple times a year like at Christmas and Easter. No, Lois's faith was a full-time, year-round resident. Now, watch this. Lois passed on a legacy of faith to her daughter, Eunice, who embraced that same kind of all-in faith. As Paul remembers Timothy, he's certain that Timothy's faith commitment could be traced through his mother and his grandmother. Observe the word dwells is in the present tense, meaning Timothy's faith was alive and active. I see at least five encouragements for mothers in this passage. Here's the first encouragement. Number one, sincere spirituality is noticeable. Here's Paul in prison. He knew his time was short. Many of his friends, like Demas, had deserted him, but he remembered the sincere spirituality of Timothy, of Eunice, and of Lois. Listen, if you live unashamedly for Christ, all out for him, you will stand out. You will stand out in our society today, and your kids will notice. Number two, prioritize faith formation in your own family. So grandma pointed her daughter to the gospel of grace and mom lived on mission to reach her son. The principle is to focus on the faith formation in your family first because the closest neighbors to love are your own family members. Now listen to this exhortation found in the book of Deuteronomy. It's foundational. Perhaps you've heard it before. If so, let me stir us up by way of reminder. If this is the first time you've heard this, take note, write down the reference, Deuteronomy 6. He says, in these words that I command you today, he's writing to parents, shall be on your heart. So start with your own heart. Ah, then what? You shall teach them, notice, diligently to your children. So that's kind of this formal setting where you're teaching diligently. But would you notice next how we're to do it in the everyday rhythms of life and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you're in the minivan. Wait, 
Well, in our culture, that'd be an application. Here it says, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, oh, when you're putting your kids to bed at night, and when they get up, it's the rhythm of our day. So teach them in formal settings, and then teach and train throughout the day in natural settings, which leads to number three, faith is both taught and caught. Notice, faith in Christ first dwelt in grandma. See the word in? And then in his mom. Paul notes that it's in Timothy. He says, I am sure dwells in you, Timothy, as well. Makes me think of that Gatorade commercial and ad campaign had this catchy slogan, is it in you? Is faith in you? Let me point out, saving faith was not only in mom and grandma, it had to get in Timothy as well. It's not automatic, is it? And some of you are hurting today because you've, well, you've prayed for your son, your daughter. And as far as you can tell, they're not walking with Jesus. And it's killing you inside. Some of you are beating yourself up about that. Listen, every individual is responsible before God to respond. Our job as parents is to to teach and to train and to help immerse our children in the things of God. Some of your children are not saved yet, or maybe they've backslidden, or maybe they've gone prodigal. And please hear this. It's not your fault. He or she has been given the ability to decide and must engage their will in order to be converted. So stop beating yourself up, but keep praying, keep witnessing, and trust God to do his work. Number four, this is encouraging. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary Hey, let me just give you uh, some good news. You don't have to be a perfect parent uh, because there aren't any. You think, well, how about Adam and Eve? Yeah, how'd that turn out? God is looking for ordinary moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas in ordinary circumstances who are faithful in rather ordinary ways. See, sometimes, and and sometimes this is taught in the church, the church at large, you do something spectacular for God. Well, yeah, if he wants to use you to do that, but here's the thing, walk obediently with him when no one else is watching and pour yourself sacrificially into your children when no one cares and they don't appreciate it. And so God wants to take ordinary moms, ordinary grandmas in ordinary circumstances and wants them to be faithful in rather ordinary ways. Moms know, just ask them if you've forgotten, young moms especially, mothering is messy. And most would quickly admit that they don't measure up to the perfect mom. Listen to how one mom writes it. I need to hear that my role as a mom to young children is hard, it's valuable, and it's kingdom work. 
Remind me that my unseen sacrifices and struggles are seen and valued by the Lord. So much of my work as a mother is hidden away in the unseen moments of grace with my children. Encourage me to give the small, the ordinary, and mundane things to God and watch him bless and multiply my efforts. Thank me for sowing the seeds of love in the souls of the youngest among us. Moms, hear this. Thank you, and God thanks you. One pastor takes a lot of pressure off when he says this, God is awesome. He doesn't need you to be super mom. He wants you to be obedient. Number five, take the long view. Some of you are parenting on your own and you find yourself in a very difficult place, but know this, you are not alone. Mom, see yourself as on mission. Take the long view, (laughs) the long view that stretches beyond diapers, beyond discipline, and beyond dinner times. What you do matters because motherhood is your mission field. Now, as we consider how Timothy's faith was impacted by his mother and grandmother, we can find encouragement to do the same. Here, then, are three ways a mom can live missionally with or without the help of a dad. Number one, intentionally and repeatedly share the salvation story. Notice, intentionally and repeatedly. Let me take us to the book of Jude. It's the last book right before the book of Revelation. Only one chapter. Here's verse 3. Beloved, though I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you. Here's here's where it gets all of us as parents, grandparents, to contend for the faith that was once for all, here's the word, delivered to the saints. Question, who's going to deliver the faith to your children? if you're not going to. So we need to deliver it. Intentionally, repeatedly do that. There's two primary ways this mom and grandma did it. By example, they were sincere in their faith and by education. A mother can touch a whole generation just by loving her own child well. Actually, she can affect the next 100 years. I turn to Gloria Furman again. Our work as moms is to glorify God who sent his son to do his mighty work on the cross in our place to pay the price for our sins. Humbly receiving God's grace and inviting our children to share our joyful gratitude for what Jesus has done, get this, is our happy mission in this fallen world. It is only by the grace of God that moms can nurture the souls of our littlest neighbors. I love that. The aim of our motherhood is to declare the good news to the next generation. Making disciples is the aim of missional motherhood. Number two, saturate your home with scripture. If you go back to the book of 2 Timothy, look ahead two chapters to chapter three, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, again, he's writing to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, mom and grandma, verse 15, and how from childhood 
You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Many of us have that next verse memorized. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. The context is that Timothy was swimming in the scriptures since childhood. That word childhood refers to a newborn baby or a toddler. And so Lois and Eunice teamed up to provide Bible classes for young Timothy even before he could crawl. I love that. Liesel and her team of nursery servants read Bible stories and sing songs to newborns and toddlers every Sunday. Moms, it's not too early to start teaching the Bible to your children. Immerse them in the scriptures. And it's not too late to start if you haven't already. It's important for parents to make sure children are swimming in the scriptures. Here's why. Listen to Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from what? From hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith, if we want faith formed in our children, they must hear the word of Christ. Where are they going to hear it? Well, they should hear it at home and they should hear it at church. Remember, Timothy lived in a pagan culture under the roof of a pagan father, and yet he knew the scriptures from infancy. And notice it's to make a son or daughter wise for salvation, helping them connect all the dots in the narrative, the meta-narrative of scripture. If you're looking for a very helpful resource, parents or grandparents, I highly recommend, we've recommended this before, the Jesus Storybook Bible. The tagline, every story whispers his name. You can get to that on our Sermon Extras link. Remember, a mom can live missionally with or without the help of a dad. Number three, model the importance of serving Christ. Let me take us to Acts 16, just very briefly. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, so that's that pagan community. A disciple was there named Timothy. Okay, so now we learn a little of his bio. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra in Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. I see some qualities in Timothy that were no doubt passed down from his mother and his grandmother. Notice he was a Christ follower. He's called a disciple. Not just a fan of Jesus, but a fully-fledged follower of Christ. Gloria Furman writes this, if we don't disciple our children, Satan will find someone who will. Secondly, Timothy had a good reputation. He was well-spoken of. Thirdly, he was available. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him on a journey, and during that journey, he installed him as the pastor at the Ephesian church. He knew that that ministry for him meant leaving home and facing hardship. Susanna Wesley, 
She lived 300 years ago. Get this, she was the mother of 17 children. Well, you probably know the names of two of them, John and Charles Wesley. She prayed for her children and took each child aside weekly to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder her children were used of God to bring blessing to all of England and much of America. Here are some of her parenting guidelines. These are over 300 years old. Number one, subdue self-will in a child and thus work together with God to save his soul. Number two, teach the child to pray as soon as he or she can speak. Number three, give the child nothing he cries for. Some of you moms are going, really? And only what is good for him if he asks for it politely. (laughs) Number four, to prevent lying, punish no fault which is freely confessed, but never allow a rebellious, sinful act to go unnoticed. Number five, strictly observe all promises made to your child. And finally, commend and reward good behavior. If you're a mom or a grandmom, you are on mission. The values you leave your children and grandchildren, listen, are more important than any valuables, any of your possessions, you might leave them. Now, we want to leave biblical values. Your mission as a mom is to live missionally with or without the help of a dad. One mom describes an incident that happened between her and her young children. She writes, it was a busy day in our home, but then, get this, she had 10 children, another one on the way, so she's pregnant. She's like, every day was hectic. On this particular day, I was having trouble doing even routine chores, all because of one little boy, his name is Len, who was three at the time. And she writes, he was on my heels no matter where I went. Whenever I stopped to do something and turned around, I'd trip over him. Several times I suggested fun activities like go outside and play. He didn't want to go. He simply smiled an innocent smile and said, oh, that's all right, Mommy. I'd rather be here with you. Well, he continued to bounce happily along behind me. Well, now mom's getting very exasperated. After almost stepping on his toes for the fifth time, mom begins to lose her patience, and she insisted, go outside and play with the other children. He still wouldn't go. And so mom said, I asked him why he was acting this way. He looked up at me with his sweet green eyes, and he said these words, well, mommy, In Sunday school, my teacher told me to walk in Jesus' footsteps. But since I can't see him, I'm walking in yours. Would you stand? So God, into uh, our lives now, you're going to take your word as it's been preached and proclaimed. Uh, There are men here, there are young men, uh, there are women, older women, younger women. Lord, we're all at different places And some today are moms and grandmas. Lord, may they find encouragement for the mission you've called them to. May they see and know that you're smiling upon them. For motherhood was your idea. And Lord, you're equipping them not only to just get through it or just put up with it or bear with it, but no, 
to be able to partner with you in helping to reach their children and grandchildren for you that they might live as difference makers for you in this world today. So Lord, encourage every mother today. And Lord, help the rest of us to encourage them as we go today. Lord, we offer ourselves to you and for you now for your service. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen.